The great Saint Rabia said, I don't desire heaven and I don't fear hell. A well-known iconic statement. What's it mean? In the understanding of things, at the end of times, people are going to be doing things for two reasons and two reasons only. They're going to be looking for rewards, a desire for reward, and in response to fear of punishment. So the motivation for people's acts are going to be getting what they want and not being punished. Well, what Rabia is saying is that she doesn't care about reward or punishment. She's not afraid of hell. And she doesn't desire heaven. Heaven, in the way it's been described uh, or understood by most places, is a place where there's tremendous joy, God's understanding of things, and you recline on couches and you're fed grapes, uh, some kind of uh, utopian uh, ideal using earthly uh, analogies. Rabia tells us she's not interested in these things. Uh, if the search for fulfillment of desires and the uh, staying away from things that um, you think you don't like or will cause you some kind of harm or make you uncomfortable is not the reason you should do things, what in fact is the reason you should do things? What should be, if you're trying to create a halal existence, a permissible existence, what should be at the core of your intention? Why should you be doing things? What should be the driving force? And it's a legitimate question. And it needs an answer. Because if the other answer isn't any good, what is a good answer? What makes you move forward in an appropriate way? And how can we lead our lives in an appropriate way? Well, there was... There's an understanding that we have an exalted self and a lower self. And we all know about the struggle between the exalted self and the lower self. Uh, the lower self is animalistic in nature and is essentially involved in trying to get things for itself. 
So the understanding of the to do things for rewards is basically an animalistic understanding. So once we can bypass that animalistic understanding, we can begin to see more clearly as to what is appropriate. Okay, as an animal, we need certain things. We need housing, uh, we need shelter, uh, we need food, uh, we need our comforts. Um, are these the reasons for our existence? Can we be satisfied as a being with the, that kind of reasoning, with being involved in those kinds of things? Um, animals also look not to be put in positions where they can be harmed. Um, uh, they'll fight to protect themselves. Um, these kind of situations shouldn't be the kind of situations that we're involved in. Well, what should the situations we should be involved in, what are they? And why should be, we be involved in them? We have to get to the place where we understand that the thing that we do that's positive is the reward that we get for doing it. In other words, if you do a positive act, if you do an act of kindness towards somebody else, that's your reward. And the opportunity to do another act of kindness is the reward for your previous act of kindness. In other words, what you've done as you do appropriate things is set up a path for yourself. You've sort of cut your way through the jungle of the world by doing acts of kindness and the reward for an act of kindness is that you're allowed to continue on that same path. The punishment, on the other hand, for an inappropriate act is that you've set up a path of inappropriate behavior. And the punishment for inappropriate behavior is that you're going to be involved in inappropriate behavior again. Think about it. They talk about uh, different kinds of addictions and the reactions that people have to go through um, therapy to get out of these addictions. But it appears that if you become involved in some kind of evil or bad or inappropriate behavior, you become addicted to that inappropriate behavior and then you have to go through a therapy process, a rehabilitation process, a rehab process to get you out of that path that you've set for yourself. So what's the punishment for acting wrong? More of it. The inability to escape from it. Being entangled in it. Becoming inappropriate behavior. And what's the reward for appropriate behavior? Becoming appropriate. Now the question is, can we be 
in a state where we're satisfied with being appropriate as the reward for appropriate behavior. What is the meaning of being appropriate to us? How do we understand what being appropriate does for us? Well, let's begin by looking at what being appropriate means. Being appropriate means acting within the purview of God's qualities, of the appropriate qualities. So, being appropriate means that you're drawing closer to the ultimate reality, which is Allah. That you're drawing closer to the unification with that which is the all-appropriate and the all-pervasive and the only. So you're going into the, 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 in the direction of truth. You're going into the direction of the hakikat, reality. You're traveling towards reality. And the reward for traveling towards reality is that you're allowed to continue to travel towards reality. And what's the treasure in reality? The treasure is the knowledge of Allah. Now, is that the place of your intention? Because your intention is the impetus for your action. So, if you have an intention, that is, I want to continue to move forward in appropriate action, and I want to be able to do more things that are right. How many of us actually think that way? How many have actually put it into perspective that that's what we're aiming for. We've seen people who are appropriate in all their actions. And we've seen the peace that exudes from them. And we have felt the peace that we get when we're in their presence. So, we have had the experience of what that reward is is. So, there is an appropriate reward that you can seek, but it really has to be understood, its nature has to be understood, its intention has to be understood. So, what is hell? Hell is being thrown off the path. Hell is being removed from the possibility of moving towards reality. Hell is moving towards illusion and being moved out of the truth. And we can certainly, within the nature of what's halal, what's appropriate, have an intention not to go in that direction. And we can, in an appropriate way, have an intention to go in the right direction. But that the appropriateness of our thoughts, the appropriateness of our wants, has to be really purified. Has to be really brought down to a level where there's not a lot of self-motive involved. <laughs>
In other words, we're not looking to aggrandize ourselves or to get for ourselves because we've recognized the illusory nature of this self and we're not trying to decorate it anymore. We've lost our interest in this decoration. We've lost our interest in taking this self forward. Things like fame, things like power, things that have to do with our egocentric understanding of ourself become without import or impact on our life. And as we can move forward in that way, we begin to alter as a being. We become transformed from insan man to insan kamal, true man. Allah has indicated that each man is a khalif that he's placed on earth. Well, the meaning of that is that you've been put here as God's vice regent. Well, if you're somebody's vice regent, what is it that you're supposed to do? You're supposed to do his will. Well, if you have your own will in conflict with his will, how can you possibly be fulfilling your prime purpose? Your prime object, the prime objective that you've been put here for. Um, these things need to be understood and need to be looked at. Now, simultaneously, while all this is going on in the world, there's another thing that's going on. Religion is being used in many, many ways to actually take people off the path of the truth. And it's, when, when, you, when you think about it, it seems to be a preposterous thing to say. But then you also have to look at what is the path towards reality and what's the path away from it. If Allahu is Ahad, if Allahu is one, if we understand that there's a oneness in creation, then things that separate us obviously are taking us away from the path towards the one. Yet there are religions that preach differences and separation. There are religions that want to separate people, that want to push people apart, that want to create animosity, hatred, caste systems, higher and lower. They deal in the same way that we deal with in business. They have a profit and loss column. And what they're trying to do is make their profit column as high as possible. And what is their profit column? Their profit column means how many people can they force into their way of thinking? How many people can they bring into their way of thinking through whatever means necessary? But we're told distinctly that compul compulsion is not a part of religion. 
And you can all easily see why. If you're supposed to have an intention that the reason that you do things is so that you will be continu continually allowed to do things that are appropriate, how can you possibly force somebody to feel that way? First, you have to retrain them from their animal self to give up the desires that the animal self goes after. And that requires an actual retraining. It is not a outwardly ritualistic performance that is the uh, that, that shows the validity of what goes on inside. Now, the one who has what's appropriate going on inside will also do what's appropriate going on outside, but the two don't necessarily come together. So we need to learn to be appropriate both externally and internally. But at the same time, we have to learn that it's not our place to judge others, and it's not our place to force others. In the act of forcing, we become inappropriate. A hard hand takes you out of the realm of the correct way. Allah has promised us mercy, and his name is mercy and compassion. A hard hand is not the appropriate way of action. And it's interesting, <clears throat> because if you look at the way different people interpret the same tract of uh, scripture, you can see the different attitudes uh, that people have. For instance, in the Quran, uh, there's wording to the effect uh, that you should take someone's hand if they steal. And there are two obvious different interpretations. One is you cut their hands off. Another one is that you reform them so that the hand that used to steal becomes the hand that gives and is able to give God's mercy. In both, you're doing away with a hand. But in one, you're doing away with it in a very physical form. In the other one, you're doing away with it in a metaphysical form where it's entirely altered. There are hundreds of these kinds of analogies uh, that we can go through. Uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, Bawa told the story about the tooth that is connected uh, to the nafs. So we need to remove the tooth of the person who knocks out somebody else's tooth so that it's no longer connected to that which drove him to that place. Uh, 
these different ways of interpreting these things are constantly possible. But what they should show you as you look at uh, the things that are preached from pulpits, which people are trying to separate people and which people are trying to bring people uh, together. And in your own life, uh, and, and this understanding is about our own life because this is the main work that we're each given which is the work of finding reality. The impact of one person's finding reality is enormous. We saw the impact that Baal Muhayyadeen had on our lives because he had and continued to have encounters with reality. Well, if you enter that encounter, if you become embedded in that encounter with reality, you'll then begin to have impact on everybody that runs into you, that comes into contact with you you will all of a sudden become one who spreads reality. And it has a twofold uh, result. The fact that you are able to bring reality to others allows you to continue to bring reality to yourself. So as you help others on the path, you become closer and closer to the truth yourself. And you end up becoming part of this motion to bring things right again. And things need to be brought right again. Things constantly need to be renewed because they grow stale and they grow hard and they grow cold and the water of the truth has to be spread and sprinkled and rained on everybody and your mouth needs to become rain your touch needs to become that rain your intention needs to become that rain that mercy that is his is also spread through his creation to the rest of his creation. And we need to be the portion of that creation that helps to spread that mercy. It's affirming and it's life altering. And in the winter you will see flowers blossom. Because we're in a time when it's winter all the time now. The kinds of things that are going on in the world right now are indicative of major lapses in true understandings among men. The truth has to be brought back and there have to be people who have the courage to talk about the truth to people even though it may cause them 
consternation from their peers because their peers want things said in a certain way at a certain time. The Sufis have always, not always, have often been in conflict with governments, with uh, uh, religious hierarchies, because they're not interested in control. They're interested in freedom, in the freedom that the truth gives us. So may we have the correct intention. May we understand the correct intention. May that correct intention settle in our heart and firm with firm roots that can't be shaken so that our actions become the actions of holiness and the actions of appropriate nature and the actions that lead us to more appropriate actions. May that happen for each of us. Amin, amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you.